Hello, Team Ajilam. Karibuni sana tena to the 15th and final episode of the Axe series. Wamai, please cue in some hand claps. Eh? We're in the season finale. I hope they'll be like Ninis to come out. <laughs> anyway. This has been a really good series, guys. Uh, you know, part of the reason why I love teaching on anything, um, especially in regards to scripture, is because it's a, it's, it's a double-edged sword that as you are being taught, I am being taught as well. So our, both our lives are being changed, and I feel like this series has done a lot in being able to change a lot of mindsets, including mine. So we thank God for this whole experience. And so now we look forward to a whole new series and I know we had spoken about doing um, the letters of Paul, which is something that I'm really looking forward to. But after this message, there's something that I feel really compelled for us to be able to discuss, which I, I'm sure we will uh, learn about much later. But now uh, Nakama, we'll, we're going to just segue into a, a, a certain topic that I think is really relevant, but is also related to the message today. Today! So, my friends, last week, if you remember, we talked about a couple of things. I actually look at this message like it's part B of, yes, of last week's message, right? Um, where uh, last week when we talked about, um, we went all the way from, number one, we started off with the similarity between Acts, the book of Acts and the book of Joshua. So like I mentioned to you, after, tw after, after, after Acts 12, what we see from Acts 13 moving forward is the life of Paul and his journey, his mission journey, which is what we're not going to be looking at. Instead, I'd prefer that we look at the letters that Paul wrote during that time when he was on his missionary journey for um, what was at least about 33 years of, of ministry, um, work and ministry. So to be able to look at that through the letters that he wrote, Okay, and then we'll relate it into now where it is in the book of Acts. Um, but I, I encourage you to continue to read the book. Sour. So we looked at, the, at how the similarity between Acts and Joshua. And if you haven't watched the Joshua series, I encourage you to, to watch it. It's the first series that we did on Adulam. So please go all the way to one of the playlists. It's the first playlist that you'll see and go watch the Joshua series. It is going to be such a blessing. And you'll finally understand when I say that these books are actually quite similar. Now, the thing about the Joshua, the, the, the Joshua series that was really about, you know, God calling us, basically calling us out. Right? In the Joshua, Joshua series, he's saying to the, to the people, go, go and take the land. Right, and when you look at the Acts, um, the, the book of Acts, he's saying, "Go into all the world," right? And so there's this sense of just being able to go and lay hold of that which God has sent us to go and lay hold of, right? So for the book of Acts is to go and take the world, go take the gospel to the world, and in the book of uh, Joshua, it's going take the take the land, take the land, right? And the thing is that we see the boldness of the early church in being able to actually do this work. And it was on account of the fact that the Holy Spirit had come and infilled these people. And that's the key difference is that the, there was an infilling of the Holy Spirit. And if you remember in Acts 4 where we read about the disciples um, praying and asking that God would give them boldness to be able to speak the word of God, that they would be able to have the boldness to be able to go out and speak 
um, the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit comes and gives them that boldness that they require. The boldness that is commanded in Joshua is given to the people by the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah! So we are as guys are mandated to go. We have more resources. We have more. We have more at our disposal in being able to go and accomplish that which God is calling us to do than those people back in the Old Testament because of the Holy Spirit who fills us and who guides us and who gives us the boldness that we need to go and be able to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ. The book of Acts, just like Joshua, is an action-packed book, right? We see so many different stories in the book of Acts, and we've been studying it, of all the different things that are happening with all these regular schmegular guys. You know what I mean? These are not, these are not the apostles. We're talking about people like uh, Philip. We're talking about people like... Um, um, uh, Stephen, you're talking about all the different disciples, the ones who went and formed the church in Antioch, um, uh, all the different believers. These were just regular people, the people who gave. These were not extraordinary people. These were regular people who were basically a part of this mission of going with boldness to be able to go and take the message of the gospel to the world, right? Now, the thing about... Um, what we did last time is that we talked about those similarities, but then also, like I mentioned last time, is that the the, the, the message was 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 very prophetic, right? And 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 I, I, I spoke to you guys about how God laid on my heart the book of Haggai, which only has two chapters, um, in, in, in how we would basically summarize this Acts series is by looking at the book of Haggai and being able to, by looking at that book, be able to understand how it is that what the thing that God has been speaking to us about, about going out, about being his witness, and how literally when you look at the book of Haggai, there's such similarity and there's, there's such, where God is literally speaking to the people in a certain way that will really help us be able to wrap up this series um, uh, fully. And if you remember what we talked about, um, and in fact, the last time when we did, the, last week when we did the book of Haggai, I didn't give you guys a context to that book, and which I want you to do to, today. I want to just give you a bit of a context to help you understand why, why, why we're here. To be honest, even me, sometimes I don't know why we're here. I was just led here, <laughs> right? But it's just interesting to me how this, this is such an interesting way to be able to wrap this up. Now, if Haggai was these two chapters. He was a, what they consider to be a minor prophet, right? It's not because he was a small guy. It's just the fact that like, his, his, his prominence compared to the likes of Jeremiah and Isaiah, um, who were so prominent during the time, um, Haggai was a, a minor prophet. And he recorded these messages, messages, these two chapters. There's actually like four messages in here um, to the Jewish people in 520 BC. This is now 18 years after the children of Israel have come have returned from exile in Babylon. Remember, they had gone to exile in Babylon for 70 years, right? And they are now back after that time in exile, okay? Now, Haggai was an older prophet, so meaning that this was a guy who had seen the former glory of Jerusalem before exile. He had seen the former glory of the Jerusalem temple that was built by Solomon, which was a magnificent temple that was built by Solomon, right? And he saw the, he, he, he basically saw the glory of Jerusalem before its destruction. Um, and so the thing is, is that what we see is that this guy, um, who had seen the previous glory of Jerusalem, 
is that through these messages, what we see is God's desire to see the people rise up from the ashes of exile, which they had been in exile for so long. And it was time for them to rise up from the ashes of exile and reclaim their rightful place as God's light to the nations. Okay, And so this prophecy from Haggai came at a time when the people were extremely vulnerable. They had been humbled in their exile in Babylon. Right? They had been humbled first and foremost just by that exile in Babylon. And they had previously, in fact, as soon as they got out of Babylon, and now they had been come back to, to, to Jerusalem, their first mission was to rebuild the temple. But the thing is that they gave up because of all the opposition that they faced while rebuilding the temple. Ezra actually speaks about this. The book of Ezra speaks about this in, uh, quite extensively. And... The thing about this opposition is that in, in 538 BC, the conqueror of Babylon, Cyrus, uh, king of Persia, he issued a decree you know, allowing the Jews to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. And that's the reason why you, you see about this guy called Zerubbabel. So they were led by Zerubbabel. And there were about 50,000 Jews who now journeyed home and began to work on the temple. Right Now, about two years later, they completed the foundation of, you know, amid, you know, great rejoicing. So they built the foundation of this temple, right? And their success aroused the Samaritans and other neighbors who feared that the political and religious implications of a rebuilt temple in a thriving Jewish state was too much for them to bear. And so what they did is that they began to destroy their work. And by that, I mean that they began to basically offer bribes to scuttle this, this project that these guys are working on. And so this is where now when you find the book of Haggai, is that the Haggai is talking to the people where he's saying, when we came back to this land 18 years ago, we started to work on the, on the temple. After two years, we only built the foundation and it became a white elephant. So people abandoned that project and they just started to focus on themselves, right? You remember we talked about this last time. And what Haggai says to them is that the reason that they were not prospering over that time, during that period, the reason why they were here just barely, barely scraping by, right, is because they had neglected God's work and instead had begun to only focus on their own work. So they had neglected the work of God, they had neglected the work of the temple, and now their only focus had become their own work and their own lives. If you guys remember that, and we talked about this. So when we looked at Haggai, God was telling these people that you've been so focused on your own work, you've forgotten about my temple. And the thing is, is that if you look at the, the, the early church in the book of Acts, one thing that stands out is that these ordinary men and women who had come to faith in Christ were committed to the church. These were ordinary people who were committed, who were committed to the church. And the thing that we spoke about last week is that we are the church. That we are the ones who are being called to build the temple, to build God's body, which is the church. Christ Jesus, it says that Jesus is the head and his body is the church. He is the body. He is the head and we are the body. We are the church. But the thing is that for many of us, we have neglected the commissioning of Jesus Christ. 
And in fact, we've relegated that work to the pastors. Those are, that's the work for the pastors. Me, my work is just to, be, to just be here. I attend. I'm here to do my thing. I come, I listen to you guys, and I go. Right? But the thing is, is that he's saying is that you have neglected this work, which is your work. This is the work. Instead, you've now begun to focus on your own life instead of basically coming to work on my temple, my church. And the thing that is so interesting is here is that where, for many of us, oftentimes, even as we've looked at the book of Acts, we realize that we have actually forgotten about Jesus Christ calling for us to go and make disciples. We have forgotten about his, command, his commandment for us to love one another as he has loved us. And remember, when we talked about this last week, that this is a new commandment between us. He's saying between us, not the one for love your neighbors yourself. He's saying for you as my disciples, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. And this is the way that people will know that you belong to me. This is how people will know that you are my disciples when you begin to love one another. And so the job of building up the church we have neglected that work to be like, that's the work of the pastor and those guys. And us guys, once we, are, we, are the, we, we attend church, we don't know that we are the church. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And so what we did is that we looked at Acts 2.42 where it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And it says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And then it goes on to say that the Lord added to their number daily. Those who were being saved. And what we concluded is that we are the ones who ought to be the ones to be creating regular moments where we are able to study God's word with others. And by others, I don't mean like whatever, too many. It's just meaning that like together that we would just like this early church devote ourselves to studying the word together. That we would devote ourselves to being able to have intentional fellowship with one another, that we would devote ourselves to being able to build deep relationships with each other through breaking of bread, you know, have dinner with each other, spend time with each other, that we would be devoted enough to be able to pray together. We talked about prayer squads the, 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 uh, two weeks ago, that we would be intentional and devoted to be able to, to put together and to have prayer squads, that we would then also be devoted to being able to be generous with each other as well as others outside of us. That we are the church. We are the ones being called to do this. And so the thing about the book of Acts is that the book of Acts is God calling us out. And he's saying that the reason why I'm calling you out is because I am with you. I am with you. You have nothing to be afraid of. That's the reason why the early church prayed for boldness. is because this requires boldness for you to believe and for you to actually action the words that I'm saying to you. Requires boldness. And that boldness comes from his Holy Spirit. That you would listen and I pray in Jesus' holy name. That the words that I spoke to you last week and even now as I speak, that it would stir up in your heart. That you would then be just like the early church and take that step to be devoted to doing these things in whatever version that you imagine that you should do it. That you would then step out and be like, I will be the one 
that will be called out. Do you remember what the word ecclesia means? Those who are called out, that I will be a part of the ecclesia and I will go out and I will be intentional and devote myself to doing these things to build God's temple, to build his church. Amen? And here's the thing that Jesus says. This is the thing that God says from the book of Haggai when we looked at it last week, where he says, I will bless you. I will bless you. If anything, let me tell you one thing. God is a rewarder. He even, he comes and he never comes and gives an instruction without talking about a reward. And he comes and he says, guys, listen, just listen to me that when you begin to place your focus on the things that truly matter, I will bless you. I will bless you. I will bless you. That's what he says here. Now, I want us to now look at the second chapter of Haggai, okay? Let's go, let's go to Haggai 2, right? I want us to go to Haggai 2. Now, remember we did the first Haggai, now let's go to Haggai 2, which I want us to look at, which is the continuation from last week's. Last week's was about building the church, building the church. And there was very clear instruction about how we can do this and how we can basically step out and be bold and courageous and go out and get a few friends, friends who are, you know, who you share faith with and be intentional about studying God's word together, be intentional about fellowship, be intentional um, um, about uh, being able to like basically build meaningful relationships together, like eat together, be intentional about praying together, form a prayer squad, guys, be intentional about being generous. Oh, can't stop saying this. Ah, you got to do it. Anyway, so let's read Haggai 2, okay? Now, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now, be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all of you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and dry land. I will shake all nations and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace declares the Lord Almighty. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Now, I really want to spend some time on verse 4 of Haggai. There's so much that we can take out of this thing, but I, this, this is very intentional. And like I said from the previous message, that I want you to understand, and I, the, 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 I'm just feeling the fire, is that this is, this is just like last week, a very prophetic message. That this is what I believe that God is saying to us right now. If you follow Adulam, you know, yeah, I always say, if uh, I know something is true, <laughs> if a prophet speaks, or something speaks prophetically and it doesn't happen, then I was just the imagination of my own thoughts, <laughs> right? But if it does happen, 
then and I truly believe this is what God is saying for us. Anyone who has been following us and believes that God speaks through me, tafadhali niamini nikwambia imambo. And I pray that God would then go and confirm this word for you as well. Now, I want to spend some time in verse 4 where it says, But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua son of Josadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord and work for i am with you declares the lord almighty now what Hagar is really about is about god restoring the people's light they had come back from exile this is 18 years later they had faced opposition became lethargic and abandoned god's project right this project about rebuilding the temple which was very representative of their own lives, right? And we can take that as very symbolic, that they had focused in on their own lives and had forgotten about God, okay? So in a sense, you look at that symbolism and that's exactly what was happening. But this is what God is trying to say to them. I want you to rebuild this temple because this temple is a light. It is, it is a representation that I am, I am in your midst, that the glory that was there during the time of Solomon when he built that temple, that was the, that, that's the reason why they destroyed the temple. It was literally a symbol of Jerusalem's power and strength, which is in their God. And so what this is happening here in the book of Haggai is what God is saying to them, is that I want you to reclaim your rightful place as God's light to the nations. This was to be done by them rebuilding the temple which would have greater glory than what was there before. Now, if you understand anything about Solomon, this is, this is a guy who was a bowler, okay? It says that uh, there's, there's other evidence that maybe this, this is a guy from Mali, months, months more, was wealthier. Anyway, I don't know. But according to the scriptures, Solomon is the wealthiest guy that has ever lived. Can you imagine what kind of temple that guy built? I mean, when you go read about the temple and how they built this thing, the kind of wood that they used, the kind of gold. <laughs> they, they, I mean, when you think about, when you read about that temple, you're like, wow, what an amazing, amazing work of whatever. Like this, that, this sounds like a most magnificent project that could only be done by a guy who had chums, <laughs> right? And God here is saying, that the temple that these guys were going to build, these are guys who have come from 18 years. They have been in exile for 70 years. They have come back to a destroyed temple and God is saying that the glory of this temple will be greater than that which was there before. If you remember the things that God said to Solomon about the temple, that when the people turn to me and they pray to me, from here I will hear what they say to me and I will answer their prayers. That temple, God is saying that when you guys get to work on this thing, it will be greater than that temple. Now, I don't know about you guys. Whew. But when I read the book of Acts, when I think about what was going on in this in this church, when you read the book of Acts, or even have been part of this series, and you hear about this early church, you are, I don't know if you're like me, where you ask yourself, where are all the miracles, signs, and wonders that you see in the early church? Where is this zeal for the gospel? 
Where is this unity and oneness that we see, where you see people being so generous that it's almost difficult for us to fathom that how is it that there were at least 10,000 people at the time when, remember in the beginning, in the beginning in chapter 3, where it says that there was literally no need amongst the people. How? 10,000 people. Here we are, you can be, at, you can be in a, a, a community of 300 <laughs> and like half of us could be in need and we don't know. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Like you look at this and you're just like, where is this oneness and unity that we see? Where is this generosity? Where is this eagerness to participate to the extent where one of the greatest communities in Antioch, no one knows who, just say some disciples are the ones who basically started that, 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 that whole church community in Antioch, where he talks about Paul saying, talking to Priscilla and saying, you know, greet the people who meet at Priscilla's house. These were all just regular people just participating, being involved in this whole mission of being able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just through words, but even through their actions, through their generosity, through their love for one another. They were literally, that God added to their number daily because it's like, why wouldn't you want to be a part of a community like that? Of people who take care of themselves like that? Of people who love one another like that? Of people who are so bonded together like that? They, they break bread together. They pray together. They study the word together. They fellowship together. They are, they are hyper generous. Why wouldn't you want to be a part of that community? And it says God added to their number daily that when Jesus was saying that love one another as I have loved you, he is literally saying, listen, if you guys love one another, then people will know that you are my disciples. And not only would that happen, Jesus didn't share the second part because now we see the second part in the book of Acts where people, where God adds to their number because guys are just like, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of this community. I want to be a part of this, this environment that this is happening. And so when we look at the book of Acts, to me, I don't know about you, but I ask myself so many times, every single time I've read this book, what happened to that church? What happened to that, this community? What happened to this? Because we know, and you and I know, that when we read the book of Acts, we know that we do not see that glory that we see in that format, in that, in, in, in that church. We don't see that glory in the church today. I don't know about you. Maybe your church is dope. Me, I don't see that glory in that church. In that, in the, 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 I don't see the book of Acts today. And here's the thing. When we consider the glory of the early church and seeing how, over the last couple of weeks, how we can be like them. What can we emulate from them? Seeing what lessons we can learn from that early church that we can adopt today. The thing that is so interesting about the book of Haggai, and that's why I was telling you this is a prophetic message, because the people believing that the glory of the past, not only was it that, that it was possible, that God was saying, forget about even, let's say, like, Let's, like how we've been learning, we're trying to learn to be like that church, right? We're trying to learn to be like the early church. But imagine a scenario where, this is what's happening in the book of Haggai, where God is saying to the people at the time, that you see how you look at that former glory of that temple, how it was just, you look, you, I mean, you could, you could barely fathom that such a thing could be done. 
And of course, it was done by Solomon, the wealthiest. It was done at a time when there was so much peace. The land was at rest. And Solomon had everything going for him. And he built this magnificent temple. And imagine God saying to his people, that you know what? I'm not just going to make it like that. That the glory of this temple is going to be greater than the former. I mean, it is so difficult to fathom this. And I can imagine the people hearing this and being like, wow, that's, that sounds amazing. You know, the thing is, I was at Nairobi Chapel, Lavington. Um, a few months ago, I was preaching on... Um, Prayer. I was doing a series on prayer. And on one of these Sundays, <laughs> I have no idea, like this came out of my mouth, okay? And I was saying, and I was saying to the, to the pastor there, Pastor Judy, who's a big fan of Adulam. Um, shout out to you, Pastor Judy. And um, she actually had quoted, um, or she had mentioned something from Haggai. This was even before, in, I hadn't, and I remember saying on that pulpit, and I was like, you know what? We imagine that God wanting to do something greater than what we've witnessed in the book of Acts. I mean, can you even fathom that? Can you even begin to imagine that those guys, those were the guys in the Walikwa Nanza. That was version one. <laughs> And he's saying that the glory of, you see that, you see that, you see that, you can't even fathom how, how is it possible when you read about the things that you're reading, when you look at how the Holy Spirit was moving amongst the people, when you think about the generosity of the church, when you think about the oneness of the church, when you think about the, the effectiveness of the church, when you think about the selflessness of the church, when you think about the fact that there was just so many signs, wonders, miracles that were happening in that time, and you look at that, and you're just like, wow, I wish you could go back to that. And imagine God saying, that you know what, I want to do something even greater than that. This is what was happening in Haggai. And for me, as I was saying, this is a prophetic message. Imagine that. Can you imagine God possibly doing that which is greater than that, we read, that which we read in the book of Acts? Now, here's the thing. What happens here is, is that the restoration of the temple was something that threatened the Samaritans. The restoration of the temple in the book of Haggai, Haggai is something that threatened the Samaritans politically and religiously. No one wanted these guys, no one wanted the Jewish nation to return to its former glory, let alone for it to be greater. Right? These guys, were, these guys were, not just con they were not concerned about a greater glory. These guys were concerned about this thing being restored to the glory that it was before. And so what they did is that in Ezra 4.5, it says that they bribed agents to work against them and to frustrate their plans in being able to do that. Right? This is the work of the enemy, frustrating the work of God. Right? But here's the thing that we read in this chapter that I want us to zero in on. And this is what we are going to move on with. Moving forward, now you'll understand what I'm saying about a series. That in the chapter that we just read, where he says, where God says to his people, this is what he says to his people. 
as he comes and he begins to encourage them and tell them, listen, focus on my temple, focus on my temple, build the church, focus on my temple. He says to them, work, work, for I am with you. Work, for I am with you. You know, back in 2018, I did a series on at Nairobi Chapel Loving, uh, no, Nairobi Chapel South on work. And I'll put up the link so that you guys can go back and watch it. Excellent. I'm not Kujichocha, but it was a very good series. I enjoyed really teaching on that. And the thing is, is that this entire message was about us changing our perceptions on work and adopting God's perspective on work. You have to go watch that series. Now, last week we spoke about God's, God calling us to refocus our attention to his work. To refocus our attention on being able to participate in building his temple. That we would place this as a priority on us being able to, a part of, to be a part of kingdom building. That this is a thing that we need to be a part of, right? And we spoke about the things that we need to do. I've mentioned these things more than, more than enough about Acts 242. And I've talked about these things, about the things that we've talked about here, about studying the word together, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer, and being generous, right? And especially amongst the community. So we talked about that, right? Now here's the thing, that as part of our witness, our holistic witness of being a part of this mission, of being a witness for Jesus Christ. And especially when you look at the story of a guy like Paul, who from chapter 13 of Acts up until the end, and when you read all his letters, there's something that you really must understand about Paul, is that his witness was not merely in his words and merely amongst the community of believers or even just about the mission to be able to go out there and preach the gospel. That this, everything was encompassed in, in, in something else as well, is also in the fact that this guy, not only was he just involved in kingdom building, but this guy also worked. This guy worked. If you don't know, now you know. Paul was a tent maker. And this is not a thing that he, at any point, in fact, as I was studying this, because there's a point where he talks about that he stopped because Timothy and Silas had come to assist him so that he could focus on being able to do some mission work full time. But that's because he left some guys doing his jobo. But it turns out that he actually, when you go and you read, that he went back into it. He never stopped his work. And so the thing that's so interesting here is this, is that when you look at this holistic sense of what it is that God is calling us to do, is that where God is saying to his people, and he's literally calling his people to get a new mindset about how they work. He's calling his people to work. Not only is he saying, I need you guys to focus, to refocus your attention. He's now telling them, I want you now to work. And the thing is, is that one of the things you, 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 when, you, when you have a chance to go look at that series, I don't have time to be able to go and break down everything. And I think this is something that we actually need to do um, as, as, as a series, is that the way that I define work is that it is the process of making things fruitful, the process of making things better, 
that that is the definition of what work is. The process of making things fruitful. The process of making things better. That when you are not making things better, when you are not making things fruitful, when you are not participating in doing this thing, then you are not working. That is not work. Okay? Now here's the thing. One of the things that God has been speaking to me about and the thing that you see here is that when God comes and he tells his people work, one of the things and why this is so powerful for me is because I've been mentioning this to a couple of people where a few, I'd probably say maybe about a month and a half, two months ago, where it was a Friday and I, and I, and I literally sensed God saying this to me where he was like, Timba, it's time to get to work. And I remember at the time uh, when that happened, um, during that weekend, there were so many things that happened to confirm that word. And I remember the next week being able to discuss this with, um, with, with a couple of friends to talk about this. And the thing is that, the, that, that God was saying, is that I want you to get to work. That our work is our worship, right? That our work is our worship. And what this means is that wherever it is that God has planted you, it's time for you to give it the best that you have. Wherever it is God has planted you, it's time for you to understand that God is wanting to restore the glory of his church and that requires us to get to work, to be diligent, to walk in every single day, wherever it is that God has planted us with a mindset of what can I make better today, to be the person that works as though they are working for God himself. God says to the people, work for I am with you. Here's the thing. Believers are sometimes known to be some of the worst workers. Our work oftentimes does not distinguish us. We've found ways to, be, to live spiritual lives that have no significance in the workplace or the marketplace because we are just there, you know, praising God praying for abundance and for the rains to fall upon us. Hallelujah. Lord, would you bless us? Lord, would you open the floodgates of heaven? And then you're told, this week, unexpected money is coming your way. Unexpected, yeah, it's coming your way. You scream, yeah. Then we go to work. <laughs> and you're the laziest guy in that place. <laughs> Ah, oh my gosh. Living spiritual lives that have no significance in the workplace. Our witness is flawed. And here's the thing, right? Is that we don't realize that our work is our worship. And not only that, that I truly believe that in this time, in this season, that God is calling his people to work. To work. Go out and work. Give it. Give it. Give it the thing. Give it the best that you got. Wherever it is that you are planted. I'm not saying go and work on the thing that you love. The place where you're just like, oh, I just feel like this place has... Those are, that's easy. You can work there. That's, that's easy. I'm talking about wherever it is that God has planted you right now. That God is saying, work. For I am with you. Work. 
for I am with you. Let me give you guys a, an interesting um, <laughs> thing that has happened to me there. So, our producer over here, CK, has been basically, uh, I want to say, forcing us. <laughs> she's like, she's, so she started working out, going to the gym. And she's been working out with these two amazing trainers, 48, eh, Josh and Mavala, shout out to you. Um, and she's been telling us about this thing. She's just like, yo, this thing is dope. You guys should do it. So basically telling me and Wamai that we, we ought to do this thing. Uh, not to make this thing sound dinishpiri, but me, I'm a spiri guy, to be honest. Why am, I, why am I here giving disclaimers? So, me personally, I have never worked out with a trainer in my life. Never. Quite personally, I pre I've always preferred to just be like, because the thing is, I'm like, I know how to work out. I mean, me, I go to the gym. Hmm? I, you know, I go and lift weights. I know how to, how to achieve results. You know what I mean? So I'm just like a trainer. In fact, I used to look at guys who used to work out with trainers with disdain. <laughs> I'm just like, you guys are so lame. Yeah? And, then, and then I used to look at them sweating. I'm just there like, me, I don't break a sweat, bruh. Yeah? Me, I go into the gym looking, yeah, looking cute. I come out looking cute. You know what I'm saying? Just there, you know, with my swagger. Yeah, I've gone, I've lifted my weights. Nini, couple of weeks, I'm seeing results. I'm like, yeah, man, I know how to do this thing. Why would I need a trainer? What, what, do I, what do I need a trainer for? Anyway, so as CK has been here just telling us about this thing, about how we need to start getting into this gym situation. Me, um, I, I literally, and, I, and I, I feel as though God is like, I need you to go and do this thing. So I'm just like, okay, follow the clues, obey. <laughs> just, just obey. Thankfully, Wamai is also hype about this thing, so it's a great encourager. So I'm not here by myself. We go and we gear this thing. So we started. Amazing, <laughs> you laughing. We started uh, on Friday. My friends, let me tell you something. I haven't been working out. I've never worked out a day in my life. The last couple of days, and this actually was a revelation that came so deeply to me yesterday. I realized, I'm like, my goodness. I have not been working out. These guys, I, and I was wondering how, before I used to wonder, why do guys sweat in the gym? You know, me, I don't sweat and I get my results, get my results, whatever. Me, I'm just here, I'm telling you, my guy, I was so wetting, so wetting, just here, just dripping. I'm just like, my guy, when is this thing, when is this suffering ending? You know what I mean? But the thing is, is that after I left, I was just like, man, so what the heck have I been doing, you know? And this is where the revelation came to me. And this is where this, is where this whole thing comes together. Where God was showing me, even in my workplace, even in the place where I've been working, I have my own business. And he's saying to me, he was literally saying to me, Thimba, he's like, that thing you've been doing, yes, you've been going to the gym and you've been whatever. But he's like, the, the, in the same way when you go to the gym and you, you do a couple of exercises and you begin to start to see results, right? He's like, that has made you think that the thing that you are doing is the best of what it is that you're able to achieve. So me, I go there, I do my small, small, but because I'm seeing results, I'm like, ah, I know what I'm doing. But the reality is this, he, oh man, this was so humbling. When he was there, like, he's like, my guy, I need you to work. 
there is so much more. That the thing is, is that what you're experiencing is my favor. But don't take my favor for granted. Work. Go and exercise this favor that I'm giving you. I am with you. Get to work. And now I sat back and I realized that with all the lamentations that literally from the outside, even for me, like when I say seeing results, it means you, you can see the results, right? Me, if I, if I, if I took off my t-shirt, you'd be like, that still looks like, a, 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 is the, you know, you're, you're pumped, but you're fat. <laughs> you know, those guys where it's like, when the guy wears a t-shirt, you're like, hey, that guy works out. But then I to a t-shirt, you're like, hey, Kitambi, bro. That was me. I, giving the illusion that you know what, man, I, I give it my all. No, I wasn't. I wasn't even breaking a sweat. But because you see the results, you're deceived. And you think that you're doing it. And the thing that God was teaching me is that he's saying that through this experience, what he was teaching me is that he was saying to me, Thimba, now I understood what you were saying to me two months ago. I need you to get to work. I need you to go and apply yourself. I need you to go and push yourself. I need you to go and grow more because there's so much more that I have for you. And he's saying that I want to bless your work. In fact, he's saying, I've already blessed your work. I've already given you the favor. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. Get to work. Get to work. Get to work. And this is the message that God is saying to us today. That he's saying to us as his people that it's time for us to get to work. That to take that which he has blessed us with and to no longer take that for granted. That it's time for us to push ourselves harder, to give ourselves more, to be able to say that every single day that I come to work, that I'm going to be better, that I'm going to do better. And this is how, that the reason why God is calling us into this place of work is because that is how we will demonstrate our witness. That it will not just be with our words, that we will demonstrate that we believe in Jesus Christ, that even our work will show that we believe in Jesus Christ. There's a guy that I used to work with. And I remember after observing his work and being so amazed at how well he did his work, I had never hired a person based on, I never hired people and asked them what their faith is. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't ask, are you a Muslim? Are you a Christian? I don't ask any of those questions. This was a guy that I hired from his qualifications, seemed like a great guy. And after months of working with him, I remember looking at his work and I asked him, my guy, do you believe in God? And he said to me, very much. And I came to realize later that he was a man of faith. And this was something that he began to speak to me and told me that he believes that this is part of his worship. That him being able to do work well is part of how he's able to worship God. And I could literally see his witness through his work. But for many of us, I've worked with so many people who are believers, but you look at their work and you wonder which God it is that they believe in. Which God this is that they believe in that allows them to be able to work like this. This is the thing that God is saying to us. That God is calling us to work. He wants to plant his people in places and spaces in society. He wants to plant us. If you realize in the book of Haggai, he's speaking to the governor and he's speaking to the high priest. He's saying in 
all these spaces, in the spaces of whatever it is in society, I want to plant my people, but I want to plant my people, people who are diligent in being able to do the work that I have blessed them and given them to do. That I want them to be diligent in the place that I've planted them. Why? Because I am with you. Work for I am with you. Work for I am with you. Work for I am with you. You are working for me, not for them. You are working for me. And here's the thing. When you look at the book of Acts, in the last 15 chapters, we see the life of Paul, of Paul who worked. This guy fixed tents and spread the gospel. His tent, Beashara, I was reading this article, which was talking, giving a great breakdown of how that they believe that during those years when he would spend time in different places, that that time that he spent working, was a way for him to also spend time in witness. That not only was he witnessing in the temples, but even through his work, that that's where his witness was. But not only that, that this work is actually the thing that aided him in being able to spread the message of the gospel all across the world. This Haggai says that silver and gold is mine. That God wants to empower his people. Why? Because that's how we'll be able to spread the gospel. That's how we'll be able to do this work. Yet all the time, Christians are the ones who are the ones who are most broke. Work is what God is saying to us. It's time for us to work as the body of Christ. And God is saying that I have blessed you, that I, have, I, am, I am blessing your work. I will bless you. I will bless you. Your work will bear fruit in Jesus' name. This is the word that I have for you today, that your work will bear fruit. But God Almighty is calling us to work, to come and be better, to come and give more, to come and push ourselves harder, to go like, for example, with the whole gym thing, the insight for me was, is that now I have to go and get myself a business coach. I've been in business for the last five years, but I need to go and push myself even further and I need someone to help me. And so I'm going to go and look for a business coach, someone who can come and help me. Or if that's not the case, if I, depending on whether I'm able to do this, but it's being able to even find that there are so many free resources that are able to help you to be able to be better at what it is that you do, to be more diligent, to be more focused, to be more grounded. But the thing that God is saying to us is work, work. This guy, Paul, aided the ministry to the extent that he was able to travel all over the Roman Empire. And this was not through the church funding him. This was him taking care of his needs. And he speaks about this in all his letters, that he literally was taking care of his own needs and the needs of others. If you look at the book of Acts later, where he goes and he, and he comes back to Jerusalem, and they say that you need to pay for this and you need to pay for this for you and your guys. He's like, man, I got this. I'm going to pay for me. I'm going to pay for the guys that I came with. This is not money that came from anywhere apart from him working. And we know this, that Paul lived his life as a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he speaks about his labor, both for the gospel and his actual labor in reality, which was also for the gospel. This labor that God is coming to ask us to do, this work, is that when we begin to think that there's this thing we do for the church and then there's this thing that we do in the workplace, that is misguided. This is all the same thing. It is all the same thing. And God is calling us 
that our work would be our worship. He tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. When you look at the life of Jesus, that guy was a busy guy, he was working, man. He even says that my father is at work. That's why me, I'm always working. You know what I'm saying? God is calling us to work and he's calling us to worship him through our work. This is what the Lord Almighty says to you. That it is time for you to work. And his promise is this as I close. This is his promise that he says to us. That this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. Even before I continue, hasn't he already, isn't he literally doing this right now? Isn't he the God who right now has shaken the heavens and the earth? Right now, every single thing has changed. Every single format has changed. God has already started working. In fact, even this message, Mikuja, he's already begun. He's not at, he says in a little while, this is happening right now. We're in the little while that this is what he talks about. He says, I will shake all nations and what is desired by all nations and, and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory. This place, this church with my glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Peace is the one thing that God gives that the world can never give. That's the differentiator about all these things. Is that silver and gold the world can give you. That's not the exciting part. That's the part that anyone... But the thing that is so exciting here is that he says, I will grant you peace. On top of all that, that if we just are listening and we determine... And so this is how my final words to you is this. There's two things that we've spoken about in, the, in Haggai from last week and this week. Haggai 1 was talking about the fact that we need to be able to refocus. And we need to be able to then, through that refocusing, be able to look at being able to recognize that we are the church. And that we are the ones who are able to build the church. Because we are the church. And that we would commit and devote ourselves to being able to study God's word together, be committed to being able to have fellowship together, to be committed to be able to deepen our relationships together, eat together, be committed to being able to pray together and to be committed to generosity for one another and for others. But the second thing is this, is that then he's also saying to us, today, today, that it is time for us to get to work, to be diligent, because he has blessed us. And I believe that every single person who is a believer in Jesus Christ, that if you have put your faith in his name and you have determined that this is the thing that you want to do, I, I, I urge you to listen to what I'm saying. That you would follow what I said last week and this week also. That you would understand that God is observing your work and he wants to bless your work. But he's saying to us, work, for I am with you. Get to work. In Jesus' holy name.
Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for today. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, your love, your goodness towards us. We thank you for your word today. We thank you, Father, that you, um, you're continuously challenging us and causing us to step out. Father, may we find the boldness through your Holy Spirit to step out and do that which you're calling us to do. Father, I pray that you'd shift our mindset towards our work. That our entire life would be our witness to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray in Jesus' name that the glory of this latter church would be even greater than the former church. That even as you shake the heavens and the earth, that your people will rise up that they will commit themselves to being able to grow in you and to grow around you. That we would be committed, Father, to being able to be agents of your kingdom, not just through our words, but even through our actions and through our work. May you challenge us to be better. May you challenge us to grow. For it's in Jesus' holy name, we give thanks and praise. Amen. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Listen, if this message blessed you, please be sure to share with someone whom you love. Share it with a friend, a colleague, anyone. And then also, listen, support us. Support this ministry so that we can be able to make more dope content and be able to spread this message of the kingdom to as many people as possible. And then, make sure that you subscribe. Sawa, subscribe. Subscribe, wherever the button, subscribe, subscribe. God bless you guys.